The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. For those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There was once a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree and have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? And he said to him in reply, Sir, leave this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If you not, then you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. We read about them and we see them every day, don't we? A bridge collapses, an earthquake. A ferry sinks, a plane crashes, there's murder, genocide, violence nationally, internationally. We get used to it. People ask, where is God? Such a question. But God is asking questions too. His questions are, where is your repentance? Where is your conversion? Where is your love? Where is your faith? God's questions matter. Ours are rather foolish. Our Lord speaks of this in today's Gospel. There was a a connection in the Jewish mind between sin and suffering. Now, on the spiritual level, that's true, but they thought of that too on the physical level. 
And our Lord tells them that isn't so. He uses two examples. The Galileans, whose blood Pilate mixed with the blood of their sacrifices. The Galileans were difficult. And just at that same time, Pilate had had a rather violent confrontation with them. And Pilate was known as a violent man. He had no time for these people. He was very quick to react. And he was ruthless. And our Lord tells them, do you think that they were more guilty than others? No. And then the, the Tower of Siloam. We know nothing about this except what's in the scriptures. The Pilate was probably building. The 18 who were killed gives an exact number. Were they more guilty than everyone else in Jerusalem? No. Our Lord is saying that there is no identity between, necessarily anyway, between sin and physical suffering. There is between sin and death in a way, but not in the sense that he was speaking of it. He does warn them, though, about their nation. If you don't repent, if you don't come to me, if you, if you don't recognize me and accept me, you will all perish. Our Lord is thinking, too, of the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 A.D. Your nation will perish, and you will as well, if you don't repent and turn to me. That's a maxim, by the way. Individual lives are more different than nations. On the individual level, sin does not necessarily lead to physical suffering. On the national level, it will always lead to some form of suffering. When a nation turns against God, the nation will suffer. And those even who were most opposed to that nation's turning against God, those who fought vehemently to prevent that, will suffer as well, the innocent as well as the guilty. That's a maxim in history. But on the individual level, that's a different matter. Nevertheless, there is that relationship between suffering and sin on the, on the moral level. Sin leads to an internal suffering. It might even be recognized. We may think everything is just fine. Because physically, we're doing very well. We may even be prospering otherwise. But sin is taking its toll upon us. But people then, too, were asking, where is God in all these events? Where is his presence? You know, there was a, an Anglican chaplain during the First World War, with whom you may be familiar, by the name of G. Studdard Kennedy. He was so tired of having to see the slaughter, the blood, to experience the stench, to see people blown to pieces, who were also asking the same question. Where is God in the midst of all this suffering? And he wrote a poem called The Sorrows of God. And what he said was, the sorrow of God must be hard to bear if he really has love in his heart. And the hardest part in the world to play must surely be God's part. So he sees God in the midst of all this suffering and then says, I wonder if God is sorrowing still and has been all these years. 
I wonder if that's what it really means. Not only that he once died, not only that he came once to earth and wept and was crucified, not just that he suffered once for all to save us from our sins and then went up to his throne on high to wait till his heaven begins. But what if he came to earth to show by the paths of the pain he trod the blistering flame of eternal shame that burns in the heart of God. God took all human shame. He took all human suffering. He took all human sin. And he's in the midst of it. And so he goes on until the end of time doing so. And so suffering begins not to make sense to us completely. It never can because we don't know the mind of God where we begin to see the role of God in human suffering. And we also begin to realize that either we repent for the suffering we have caused, or if we didn't cause it, that we unite the suffering with his. Now, our Lord then continues with the parable of the fig tree. This is a pretty obvious parable. But God is always giving us another chance. He's always calling us to a greater repentance to something new. You know, fig trees are interesting things. It takes three years for a fig tree to mature. And if at the end of three years it hasn't borne any fruit, it's probably not going to bear any fruit. And our Lord uses this example of the fig tree without fruit. It's of no use to anyone. It's not useful. We have to ask ourselves that question sometimes, don't we? Of what use am I to the kingdom of God? And very often it's the people, as I've said before, who seem to be the most useless who are doing the most work. That poor person in the nursing home who suffers from dementia may be doing far more for the kingdom of God than you and I are, simply by being part of the sufferings of God. I once talked to a young man who was concerned about his mother. She was suffering terribly. She was dying. And he said, why does she have to go through all of this? Explain this to me. I said, well, I can't explain that perfectly to you. No one can. However, I can tell you this, that your mother's suffering is not wasted. It has a purpose. She may be offering it up, perhaps for her own sins, or if you don't think she has any, certainly for yours. Uh, That's a neat thought, that uh, our suffering has a reason for that. We suffer often uh, in reparation for ourselves or for others. In any event, there is the chance again. The fig tree, the gardener defends the fig tree when the owner wants it cut down. He said... Notice he says, why should it exhaust the the soil? Either we exhaust the church or we build her up, one way or the other. And he says, sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. So as I said, you and I then are in the midst of uh, our own experience of God, our repentance over and over again that God allows us. But the day will come when we will not be given another chance, when we will have to finally answer for it, God's mercy and God's justice. That's one of the beautiful things about purgatory. We see both God's mercy and God's justice in that. But we have to accept that. The reality of God, who calls us to himself, who calls us to perfection, who calls us to repentance again, over and over again. Well, we come now to the Eucharist. 
We come as people who are open to the presence of God. We come as people who want to be nourished by the reality of God. Uh, We come as people who trust in the mystery of God and the mystery of his love. But we remember, too, as I said before, that in the midst of it all, we see the reality of God, the reality of his suffering, the reality of his union to us in the midst of it all. What a great mystery and what a beautiful thing to be able to understand and to realize that love. So, may God give us the grace then, not simply to repent, but to move towards him. Repentance is for the sake of friendship, and friendship is for the sake of victory. <clears throat>